Thank you for listening to today's message. Avenue Church is a Christian church located in Las Vegas. For more information, visit avenuechurch.cc. Enjoy the message. Hey, now, be real. How many of you were actually singing along because you know the lyrics? Yes, that is awesome. Best show ever. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh. oh, I got quiet there. Oh, man. How many appreciate Mark Crump when he rapped for us for over five weeks? And so, man, he remixed the original. And so I'm excited what God is doing here at Avenue Church. Even they said, add, add how many rows today? We added two rows. Add two rows in the back today because daylight savings time, right? Daylight. Like daylight savings time. Why? Can we all just vote that out? Can we do that? And so, man, I'm so excited you guys are here. And again, if, you are, uh, if you're new here, welcome to Avenue Church. It's our desire for you to, for this place to be a place you can belong before you believe. But also, I want to brag on our team. And this week, my wife and I, we were able to go to the Las Vegas Golden Knights practice arena. And we accepted an award on behalf of the city of Las Vegas and the Chamber of Commerce for customer service excellence. And that's because of the A-team. Put that picture up behind me. And can we give a standing ovation to our A-team? Come on. To our A-team. Phenomenal. Amazing. So there were just about 20 organizations that were recognized for customer service excellence in our city, and Avenue Church was one of them. And so we are so grateful for that, and we know it's because of our awesome, awesome team. And so again, thank you. Our city is recognizing our church. Why? Because you guys, we love God, we love people, but we pursue excellence, and also we choose joy on a daily basis. So thank you guys so much. I think that's a huge, tremendous win, and, uh, and so it was pretty. it was pretty unique experience. Experience. But we are in a remix finale. So turn your neighbor and go, why is it over, right? Why is it over? Right? Turn your other neighbor and say, I want to learn more about. Okay, maybe not. <laughs> maybe not. But we're in a remix series, and it's a 90s theme series. And so this today's the last day. This is it. Last service, last day. But we, are, we do get to share some photos of those from the 90s, all right? And so I want to start off with Chris and Megan Lorenko. There they are over there. Happy birthday, Megan. Come on, somebody. All right? Here's Chris and Megan Lorenko. And uh, I love this. The wives are sneaking photos in, all right? And so Chris, he's on our worship team. Megan serves at Avenue Kids. And here's their 90s photos. Check this out. <laughs> I love that. Look at that Zoolander look, right? Come on, cowboy. <laughs> and so there they are. I love that. And many of us feel very uh, old in this place. All right. Here's the next one. We have Rochelle, Andrew, and Jacqueline. And uh, they uh, attend our church, serve in many different teams. And here's their 90s photo. Check it out. Yes. Look at that. Andrew, thank you for serving our country. Look at Jacqueline. I love that. Super cute. Here's another great couple, uh, Matt and Rachel Eddins. Here they are, right? They look surprised. <laughs> oh, no. Right? Here's Matt and Rachel Eddins, and that's their beautiful daughter. We just chopped her head off. I don't know who did that. We'll fix that. We'll fix that later. She still belongs. And so here's their 90s photos. Check this out. Look at that, huh? Man, you're pretty cute, man. What happened? What happened, bro? And there's Rachel. How many still have that jumpsuit, right? How many still got that, that jumpsuit? I love that. They sell that at H&M. Here's another couple. Uh, here's Patty Meza. How many know Patty Meza? She's over here in the back. And she, and she serves on her Avenue Kids team. And here's her 90s photos. Check it out. Yes. 
Yes. Do you see how the styles have changed where we used to love our eyebrows pencil yeah. thin in the 90s and early 2000s, and now we're that. going El Natural. We are look microblading. Come on, ladies. Look at that. We want them to look bigger and better. I'm going to say, is that the mall? I used to go to JCPenney's. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Give me my JCPenney's photos now. Here is another great guy, Todd Mose. He's my father-in-law, Lindsay's dad, and uh, he's great. Here's him in Growth Track, graduated from Growth Track. What, I don't know, how long ago? Yes, we make our parents parents go to growth track. Right. <laughs> Nobody skips ahead. Head. <laughs> no God, no growth track. All right. No. So he's in growth track. How tall is your, uh, is your dad? My dad is six foot six. He's six, six. All right. He is a awesome guy. Phenomenal guy. Here's his nineties photo. Check it out. <laughs> so Here's what I love about this 90s photo. Ever since I met her dad, six foot six, and she has a wonderful family, I met him, and uh, I was like, this guy reminds me of somebody. And so I put up this next photo. How many know what I'm talking about? Tom Selleck, baby. <laughs> Tom Selleck's my father-in-law. <laughs> Come on. Every time I watch Blue Bunch, daddy, right? <laughs> and so I had to ask Tom Selleck if I could marry his daughter. Come on, somebody. Thank you, Lord. Tell about, how about, how, <laughs> tell about the time we met each other because uh, you had the blessing and honor to, to meet me. Yes, I did. All right. I remember I was an intern in a school of ministry, so I was learning to, to be a pastor. And we were told by our pastor that we were going to be hiring a junior high pastor. That's a lot of pastors in like two sentences. I'm sorry about that. But we we're going to hire this junior high guy. And so we wanted to interview him. So my pastor said, I need you to be prepared with interview questions. He told this to about 15 of us. So we come to this conference table, and in walks this 22-year-old man from Fargo, North Dakota. And he sits down at the end of the table, and our, yes? No, I was like, I wore a sweet polo, all right? Yes, he I wore a sweet up, polo. Tucked it in, right? And when I sat at the table, I saw her sitting across the table, and it was like a light was shining on her. It was like, come on, somebody. God, you are real, right? And I thought, this is, I'm going to marry her someday. Can I get a witness, somebody? Go ahead. So it was asked, does anyone have any questions? And no joke, no one at our table raised their hands. There were 15 people and no one raised their hands. No. So I was always the kid in class that I was prepared. So anyone who wasn't, I'm sorry, but I was that girl that would raise my hand and have the answer to the question. Nobody liked her. Yeah. Nobody liked me. All right. But so I raised my hand and they say, yes. I and said, I, yes, pretty hot blonde. I mean, yes, ma'am. Yes. And I said, what makes you qualified for this position? And he gives an awesome answer and blows us all out of the water. Y'all hear that? Like, what makes you qualify for this position? I was like, oh, no, right? So I missed the Lord on that one. Go no, ahead. No, you did great. <laughs> and then we're like, okay, who wants to ask the next question? I look around at all my peers, all these future pastors, and not one person raised their hand. So what did I do? I raised my hand. And I said, we are, have a lot of young girls in our junior high ministry, and you are single. And so how do you plan on ministering to our young ladies? How are you going to do that? <laughs> and he answered again, very, very good. And that was the end of it. And then two months later, I didn't even know that we hired him. And one Sunday, I had just broken up with my boyfriend on a Thursday. Thank you, Lord. And on Sunday... <laughs> On Sunday, I was sitting in the front row at church, just raising my hands and worshiping Jesus. When my friend nudges me, he goes, maybe. And I look and I see, we hired him. And then that's where he came 
to Las Vegas. That's how I worship back then. Mm. <laughs> I remember I came into my, my office. They said, this is your office. Welcome to the team. And I have my computer out. I'm typing in there. And, I, and, I, and during the interview process, I'm trying to block out this, this, you know, I'm like, I need to hear from God. Not a blonde guy, but from a godly God. You know what I mean? Like, I need to hear from the right one. And uh, so I blocked it out. And, the, you know, the Lord said, come to Vegas. And I remember sitting in my office. I was like, where is she? I wonder if she's still here. Is she, is she still at this church? And then she walked in and I went, oh, right? Like, oh, stay cool, stay cool. And she walked in and she went and walked out. And I was like, here's why. He took my office and no one told me. They gave him my desk. They gave him my chair. And so I was heated. I don't care where he was from or what he was doing. I was exed and he was hired. Come on, baby, because two become one flesh. Come on, somebody. But let me but tell you this. Let me tell you this. You won me over. Come on. But here, let me tell you this. I didn't tell my friends. I didn't tell my parents. I didn't tell anybody that I really liked her. I waited eight months. Some of y'all can't wait eight minutes. Can I get an amen, somebody? All right? They ain't listening to the Holy Spirit. You're listening to Okay. <laughs> but I waited eight months. And after much prayer, I said, you know what? Will you go out with me? And we went on a, on a dating period. And then I went to a park and asked her uh, for her hand in marriage. And if you're single or you're dating, get a big ring, okay? So you can trick her. Will you show the ring? Yes! Marry me. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Got you. And that's how it all began. But now we've been married 12 years this year. And uh, I did it. But that's not very long, right? I mean, it's like, so y'all listen to what we have to say today. Now, but raise your hand if you've been married over 15 years. Over 15 years. Put it up. Yes. All right, come on. Awesome. Awesome. Over 20 years. Keep it up. Huh? Yes. Come on, somebody. Yes. 25 years. Yes. Look at that. I'm going to go quicker because I know your hand is like <laughs> 30 years. 30. 30 years. 35? 35 years. Oh, almost. 35 35, 40 years, 40 years. Keep Put it up, Sonny. 40, 45, 45 years. How many, what you got? 45, are you, got, are you 45? Yell it out. How long? 50 years. 50 years, let's give it up. Yes. Come here. But we encourage you because we have spent our entire 12 years of marriage getting around couples who we saw were doing it right. We went to marriage conferences. We read books. Because of our history with our families, we were destined for divorce. And so just by how we were raised, and we decided early on before we got married that that was not going to be our story. And so I encourage you, get around some people who've been married 20, 30, 40 years because they've got they've got some stories to share. That's awesome. It's so what we want to share today, and this is from our hearts, is three game changers right. for marriages and all relationships. Right. Three game changers. And um, this is something that we put together. This is um, this is our heart and soul. We just love the Remix series. I'm excited to do it again next year with even more content, what God is doing through this church, through marriages, through relationships, through singles, through individuals, because God is remixing the original 
us. Go ahead. That's right. And so here are the three game changers. We want to start off with intimate friendship. And we've got a couple pictures to show you what it is and what it's not. So go ahead with the triangles. So a Yale professor at a Yale University, he developed a triangle of love. And maybe you were here and you saw the other triangle where we started off the spiritual, the social, interpersonal, uh, um, the emotional, and that as well as the physical. And you might be like, you guys really like triangles. We're just using illustrations, all right? And so here is a, a healthy game change in marriage right here. It's passion, it's intimacy, it's commitment. There's three sides to love. There's three sides to love. But sometimes maybe you're, you get into a relationship and many of us, we just, we just date. I don't, I have no tools, no resources. I'm just getting into this relationship. And what happens is, is sometimes it can be a little off balance. And so there's the first kind of love. This is a different style, a love style. And that first love style is romantic love. It's romantic love where maybe it's only passion. It's passion. It's passion is the physical. Passion can be even the obsession, right? Where it's like 1 a.m. and you're like, no, you hang up, right? And it's, it's that exciting part. It's that passionate part. It's also the intimacy. Intimacy is knowing that person just as they are. Faults and all. There's intimacy, but in a romantic love, there's no commitment. There's no commitment. I'm fine where I'm at. This is good. I got the two components, but I'm not going to commit. I'm not going to commit. So that's romantic love. The second one is foolish love. And here's what foolish love looks like. Foolish love has, go to the next slide. Foolish love is just passion and commitment. Meaning you're, 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 you, you love this person. You're all in. We see this in a lot of dating relationships. I am so in love. We're going to get married. I'll be like, what's your last name? Uh, right? It's going right. to be mine. Yeah. You don't know. Does he have a job? Oh, he's in between jobs right now, right? Because it is a foolish love. It's passion and commitment, but there's no intimacy. I don't intimately know that person. So I want you to understand that. Also, the next one is, and it's foolish love because commitment is made on the basis of passion, not on knowing the person. And so here's the next one is partnership love. And you know what partnership love is intimate. I, I know everything about this person. I'm committed to this person but there's no passion. There's no passion. Sometimes we see this right away, but, mo but the majority, we see this 10 years down the road, 15 years down the road, 20 years down the road, where we begin to lose the passion. And passion, you have to cultivate it. You have to go on those date nights. You have to be, be obsessed all over again. And so that partnership love, often it occurs when security is more important than passion or even physical attraction. I just want to be secure in this. I just want to be involved with this person that you're simply just roommates doing life with kids. You're just roommates doing life with jobs. And I want to encourage you that sometimes we have to know that there's partnership love, there's foolish love, there's romantic love, and we have to identify the seasons that our love can be in, the different styles, and say, you know what? I need healthy love. I need all three components to become the goal in every marriage. It becomes a game changer when you have passion, intimacy, and commitment. Can I get an amen? Right. So intimate friendship has been a game changer for us. It's not that intimate friendship 
relationship is just physical. That's a big part of it. But it's also intimately knowing each other emotionally and, and spiritually having that connection. You cannot desire somebody, like really desire someone, unless you know them. And you maybe have rushed into marriage and you got married quickly, or maybe you've been married so long that you drifted apart, that we want to show you how to cultivate an intimate friendship. And if you're thinking, I'm single, why am I listening? Or I'm divorced, I don't even plan on getting married. Friends, I have a beautiful mentor in my life that in her 70s, God dropped another man in her life, an amazing, amazing man. And she got remarried after being married for 50 years. Her husband had passed away and she thought it was done for. So you do not write your full story. Like God's got purpose and plans for you. So I would perk your ears up. I would start taking notes no matter what stage of life you were in, because why not be prepared? Why not have vision? So how do we cultivate this intimate friendship where we know each other physically, emotionally, and spiritually? Number one, you need to spend time together. Make a decision to really spend time together. Jeremy and I, we used to walk. When we first got married before kids, we were married for four years before we had a child, and we used to walk together. There was no agenda in that walk. It wasn't even exercise. Um, if you know me personally, you know that exercise is never an agenda for me. I'm so sorry, and it should be, but it's not. But We're secure in who we are. <laughs> or we're just lazy. I'm not sure yet. But we just connected. No agenda, but we talked. Now that we have a child and those walks have turned into family walks, that does not qualify as us spending time together anymore. Family time is not spouse time. And so we decided, let's get up early. Let's have our coffee together. Let's have this daily connection. And so with our marriage challenge that we did this week, we asked you, take your spouse on a date. We asked you to connect with your spouse. Um, we asked you to do other things too. And, and sex three times a week. Come on. Yeah. I got to tell you, well, hey, someone on our team, he's a... Uh, no, you don't say. No, I'm just going to say his name. But he said, uh, he's been married very, very long time. And he said, oh, we tried. <laughs> I said, bless you. Bless your heart. Go ahead. So spend time together. Make an investment in that. Second is listen. Take time to listen to your spouse. See, listening is hard for a lot of people. It's not just a guy thing. It's a girl thing too. We're so distracted nowadays that we are not taking time. We're literally just checking it off our list and moving on. But we need to listen without interruption and hear me, without solution. Sometimes people just want to talk to us to be heard and to be understood, not to have our problem solved. We just want to have a conversation. Intimacy is cultivated by listening. And often, here's the problem is when we're even arguing, right? When we're arguing or we're fighting, when we're fighting, we're too often thinking about comebacks and not hearing the need. No. So if something that comes up in our marriage a lot, and we're just going to be transparent with you, is, is, is the workload. We work sometimes seven days a week. And, and the frustration has been, you work too much. So if I tell him, your workload is overwhelming, right? If I say it that way, he's not going to hear me. But what my need is, is not that the workload is overwhelming. My need is, I want to spend more time with you. And so if I'm able to speak my need and you're able to hear my need, then we can work on the solution of meeting that need and not just fighting about something that never gets solved. And then making the adjustment to say, right. I hear you, therefore, here's my response. Yeah, I don't just understand you, but I can do something yep. about it. Yep. The next is practice unconditional acceptance. How scary is it that in a marriage, we could feel that we're going to be rejected? 
Marriage is supposed to be the most sacred, intimate relationship that you can possibly have. And some of us are in relationships where we feel that if I am vulnerable or if I do come to them with this thing, they're going to reject me. See, the deepest kind of sharing can take place only when there is no fear of rejection. So it's for that person to be fully accepted, even with their imperfections. Nothing drains intimacy faster than anxiety. So if you are constantly worried about being rejected, that anxiety is going to draw, just throw intimacy out the window. But nothing promotes intimacy more than knowing that you are accepted even with imperfections. And last is focus on what we have in common. Something drew you to that person. Now, I know that opposites attract, but there's something that you have in common to, to build this life together. So instead of saying he or she, why don't you start using words like we? We love to do this. Not, not, not he won't take me on a vacation. Why don't you just say we love California and then make a plan. And so that is so incredibly important. And last and the most important one is explore Jesus together. That It's amazing that what happens when husband husband and wife, and hear me, you could be on different levels of relationship with Christ, but the fact that you're both walking it out together, that is huge. That's amazing. That has been a game changer in our intimate friendship that we can connect on the spiritual. So hear me, if you have not gone to growth track, but your spouse has, you guys should go together. It has been amazing to serve alongside my husband in ministry. There's so many times that we lead apart, but when we come together and serve together, it's amazing what it does for our marriage, and I encourage you, it will be a game changer for you. We have couples that serve on our crew together in the morning. They come and they set up the church, and they, they love what they are doing, or they're on the crew, they're tearing down, or, or they're on the monitor team together. I encourage you, start pursuing Jesus together. I want to encourage you too. There's nothing more powerful than making a difference with each other. Right. You're making an eternal difference that takes place. And even today in Growth Track, today's Growth Track step two. So if you go out those doors, Take your first lap. You'll see the next steps banner. And right there, Growth Track Step 2 is not a seminar. Or it's not. It's a workshop today. It's an app session. And I love it. When couples go in there, whether they're dating, engaged, or married, and when they go in there, they take a disc assessment on their phone. takes seven minutes. And after they do that, it tells all about your personality and where it is in the Bible. And we see couples every single month nudge each other, go, oh my gosh, that's you. It's on point. And they're giggling. They're laughing. And it becomes a fun thing to begin to know God, to find freedom, but to discover your purpose together and make a difference together. And so that's game changer number one. But here's game changer number two is intentional investments. Intentional investments that in order to invest in your spouse, you have to know them. But there's an investment that begins to take place. And so gentlemen, take notes today. Wives, you could be taking notes for them, and I appreciate that, all right? But gentlemen, here's what uh, every husband needs to know about his wife. And ladies, keep your elbows to yourself today, all right? Gentlemen, same thing, okay? No chicken dancing today, all right? Ah! And so keep us together. But here it is. What a husband needs to know about his wife, number one, is that she needs to be cherished. That she needs to be cherished. What does that mean? She needs to know that she is number one in your life. No matter what's going on, 
no matter how busy you are, no matter who's involved, she needs to know that she is number one and that she is cherished in your life, that she isn't overlooked, that she is a priority in your life. I want to ask you a question tonight. If it was Sunday night or maybe it's Friday night and you had a choice between hanging out with your buddies or you had a choice of going on a date, your wife wants to be fully confident to know that you're going to choose her over your pals of your buddies. But here's the thing. As you make the investment in your wife, and it's an intentional investment, as you begin to cherish her more and more, what's going to happen is she's going to say, go with your buddies. I know I'm number one in your life. But here's number two, is that she needs to be known. And what does that mean that she needs to be known? She needs to know that we are listening. That she is understood. You see, my wife said it, but your wife, is she's not looking for advice. And sometimes that happens. We'll cut it off and go, I know the answer. Here's the, here's the solution. You're welcome. And she's not looking for advice. She's looking to be understood. That's right. She wants her feelings to be validated and accepted. I mean, consider this. I've heard many different statistics out there. But here's a brand new one. That men, we say three times as many words in public than we do in private. Think about that, right? Workplace, I'm doing something, you know, I'm out at church. Man, you went up to the lobby today, you got your gluten-free, fat-free, vegan donut, right? And you had to talk to somebody, and after that conversation, you're going to go home today, and you're going to shut down. Why? Because we say three times as more in public than we do in private, but our wives, our ladies, they say, women say three times as many words in private than they do in public. And we can look at that as a bad thing. We can go, when I come home, I shut down, and maybe she's talking her ear off. Or it could be the other way around, where maybe she shuts down, and I want to talk her ear off. But we got to look at that as a wonderful thing to say, you know what? I've depleted my words, but I'm ready to listen. Right. I want you to know that I understand you. But number three, she needs to be respected. You see, for many men, this could be a big area for us. I demand to be respected because I'm a man. And when we get disrespected, what happens to a man? We get upset. We get angry. Well, we'll lose our temper. But for our ladies, when they get disrespected, when we don't respect them, they don't get angry, they don't get none of that. But what happens is most ladies feel insecure and they, they lose their sense of self. Lose our self-esteem or our confidence when they're not respected. I'm telling you, watch culture, and I've seen it both ways. Dumb dads on the sitcom. Dad is, let's all disrespect dad. I'm here to tell you, we're going to respect our spouses. How do I respect my wife? Pastor, write this down, number one. How do I respect my wife? Number one, do not change or manipulate her. Don't manipulate her. Don't, don't do that kind of talk in her life. But honor her needs and her rights. But number two, include her in your decisions. Include her in your decisions. I got to tell you, a lot of times, and I grew up in a household this way, but when we started a church, 2013, God put a dream in our hearts. It was in my prayer time, and I felt like God spoke to me. God said, start a church, and, and, and uh, you know, I want you to start a church. That was number one. And my second prayer wasn't, God, what's the name of the church? God, when do we start this church? Where do we start this church? My number one prayer was, God, tell her. Because I don't want to start a church and drag my wife along. We're going to do this. This is what I said. I'm the alpha. I'm in charge. I said, God, I'm not going to say anything until you tell her. And what, a week later or so, she came to me and said, honey, I think we're going to start a church. 
And I said, you think so? And I showed her a book I was reading on my iPad. It's like church planning for dummies. All right, we didn't use that one, okay? <laughs> I said, me too. I believe we're going to start a church, and we're going to do it together. That's why we co-pastor. We co-lead. I honor her. I respect her. I include her in my decisions. But number three is support her dreams and aspirations. I'm telling you, God has dreams for your life, but so does for your spouse. I want to encourage you that I'm going to be the biggest cheerleader for my wife. No one's going to cheer louder than me. Can we put that picture up real quick? This is a great picture of this. This is my wife doing anything, and there I am, right? Woo! Come on! <laughs> I apologize. So, so here's some things that what wives need to know about their husbands. Number one, he needs to be admired admired. That being appreciated is a man's primary need. He measures his worth through his achievements, and those achievements need to be recognized. Now, men derive their worth from more from what they do. Women, we derive our worth more from who we are. And so with our husbands, with, with the men in our lives, hear me, even your little boys, even even your, your, your the, all the men, the, the, the families, the friends, this is their number one, is to be admired, and they want to be recognized for what they do. When your husband husband does not receive admiration. When a husband does not receive admiration from a wife, it depletes him of that opportunity. And hear me, he will find admiration somewhere. And that is how tricky the devil is too, because when we are not the ones to be that cheerleader in their, in their lives, don't you think the enemy ain't going to work something out right at the coffee bar? Not at this church, hello, but at your workplace. He's going to work something out right at that coffee cart, and someone's just going to come up admiring, talking all sweet, and you say, devil, not today. So ladies, I need you guys to start admiring your spouses. And hear me, you cannot manipulate admiration. Meaning, do not use fake words. Don't use fake flattery. Everyone knows when something is not genuine when someone tells you, oh, you did a great job. Do you really mean that I did a great job or are you just paying me lip service? I don't want to pay lip service to my husband. I want to have it in my heart and what's in my heart be an overflow at what comes out of my lips. And so you might be saying, well, I don't feel like like there's much to admire. Yes, there is. We say it all the time at Avenue. Everybody is a 10 at something. But the problem with us as, as humans is that when one bad thing happens and seven great things happen, we focus on the one bad thing and not the seven awesome things. What I would encourage you to do, if you're having a hard time finding what is admirable about your spouse, I want you to make a list. Not a list of the things that are wrong, but a list of the things that are awesome. Because the Bible tells us in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, to think of things that are noble. Think of things that are pure, that are honorable, things that are life-giving and praiseworthy. When we put our minds on those type of things, it will switch the way we think, and it'll switch the way we feel, and it'll switch what we say. So let's be admirable on purpose because it's just awesome for them to do that. Um, number two, your husband needs independence. Men need independence. Do you know what men cope differently with stress than women do? Men tend to have to focus and withdraw when women want to come closer and, and just, you know, sometimes word vomit, <laughs> but we want to, we want to be able to get our emotions out. See, when we were married early on, um, we actually lost our first child, um, about three years of marriage and we had gotten pregnant, but the baby was not growing in the right place and, and the child would not survive. And so we lost that baby. And I remember immediately, even when just being told, like the baby was still in my body, but being told that the child would never be in my arms, I lost my dream right then and there. And in that moment, I was 
was immediately able to feel all the emotions that were present with it. Jeremy was another story. He, he, it wasn't processing for him then. And I remember it was about two weeks after um, we had lost the baby that I got up early in the morning and I, I heard something in my living room. And I walked into my husband in his recliner, lazy boy, praying and crying to God about that child. But it took two weeks. And when I saw him break like that, honestly, it brought a deeper connection to us. But if I would have forced a reaction, ladies, some of this is for you. If you would have tried to force an emotion that he had not had the time, some of you get frustrated because he's not reacting. And you think that the things that bother you are not bothering him. Yes, they are. The things that disappoint you, hear me, are disappointing him too. But there is a different way that we handle it. And hear me, I thank God that we're different. Because if we we all handled stress the same way, if we all reacted the same way, where's the balance? Where's the accountability? And so we need to just take a moment and, and realize that we are different and it's okay. So give your man his independence, but also share activity with him. He needs shared activity. And that's not you just giving him a to-do list. That does not count. Let's clean the house together. That is not shared activity. Find something that he enjoys and do do it with him. My husband loves comedians. And we we go and we see clean comedians. We love Jim Gaffigan. Like we do that because that's something that he loved and I jumped on board to share activity. And your game changer number three is choose joy. Yeah. You know, we've seen so many marriages where we can get in that rut of just negativity, where we can even ask, when's the last time you laughed together? Right. And that's why game changer number, number three is to choose joy. Romans chapter 15, verse 13 says, May the God of hope may fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. I want you to catch that. It's a spiritual thing that takes place. That may the God of hope, hope for your relationship, hope for your marriage, may he fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. But the reason why it says choose joy because it's the decision that we make every single day. For some, every single hour. Why? Because we're choosing joy. And choosing, we're choosing to have a great attitude. You see, the trick is, is to get the right attitude in spite of the condition. My attitude determines my altitude, not my circumstances, not my day. I always tell my son, there's no such thing as a bad day. You know, a bad day is not going to choose my attitude. I choose joy. It is no accident that happy marriages have couples that are radiant, right? Sometimes it can be annoying if you don't have a happy marriage. Oh, damn, right? (laughs) They're radiant. They're positive. They're actually happy. And it's no accident that other couples are beaten down, defeated, and full of anxiety. Because at the end of the day, happy couples decide to be happy despite of the circumstances or even what life deals with them. I'm here to tell you, we choose joy in our marriage, but we've gone through the exact same thing you're going through. That couple you're looking at, they're they're always happy. They got the perfect marriage. They went through exactly everything you went through. They just didn't put it on Facebook. They kept it between them and say, today we choose joy. We choose to be optimistic. Can we clap for that? I feel like, I feel like I'm a preach. I'm sitting. I'll just stay back here. I'll stay back here. 
I encourage as we choose joy, that happiness, it's a habit for us. You see, on that morning, after about two weeks, we had a, had, we lost a baby. I had some allergies, you know, remember that, that story? Something was in my eye. But we had an intimate, <laughs> we had an intimate moment. And I got to tell you, how many know real men cry? That is a sign of you know what? I'm being vulnerable with you, that God, that God is doing a work in my heart. And after that, we were believing for a baby. We're both crying. We both had just had a powerful moment that morning. And that month was the month of December. It was Christmas. And we made a decision right after that. We said, you know what? I don't know who said it, probably you, right? Well, all right, come on, somebody. But you said, you know what? Christmas just a few weeks away. That today we choose joy by being the east side of Las Vegas, by picking a, sing a single mom with three kids, and we're going to adopt them for Christmas. We're going to buy them presents. We're going to be Santa Claus to them. We're going to buy them toys, clothes, things they did not have. And I remember we came in the week of Christmas with, with bags full of wrapped presents, right? Christmas morning, right? Thank you. Christmas morning we came in, and you know what? We were blessing them. Their eyes lit up. They've never had a Christmas like this before. And then a rough part of town, too. We're like, what does this say, And we went in, and we blessed them. And as we blessed them, our joy increased. It was a joy of, it was, it was, it was, it was, it was amazing that we walked out of there with tamales. Come on, somebody. <laughs> but also a very different Christmas. Because we chose joy. A researcher from U UCLA said this. They were asked a question. They found that money and success, health, beauty, intelligence, or power, that they have little to nothing to do with happiness. Instead, research reveals that the level of a couple's joy is determined by each partner's ability to adjust to things beyond their control. You want to know why we're so happy? You want to know the secret sauce to the Bosma marriage? It is Jesus. It is trust in my God that no matter what we go through, no matter what storms we have to weather, and hear me, the storms come. They come all the time when you least want them to come. They are here. But we have chosen to put our eyes on Jesus Christ and to trust that when we don't have control, God has control. And it really is a mantra in our household. He says it all the time. Attitude determines your altitude. He says it when I got an attitude and I have a moment in that moment I have to adjust. Am I going to choose happiness in this circumstance? Am I going to change my attitude to still stay up here. Staying up here is not naive for the Bosmas. Okay, we're, we're tough folks, all right? I was born in Eastside Las Vegas. Come on, I stab and twist. I know what it's all about. I'm a tough girl. But I say all that because I don't live up here out of ignorance. I live in, in, in God's joy because joy is not an emotion. It is a choice. And I choose to rest in the promises of an almighty God and that my circumstances don't get to dictate what we do or what we feel in life. See, I don't flinch anymore. All right? I used to flinch, right? <laughs> used to flinch. But here are some things that can remove your joy in your marriage. And number one, will you go through this real quick, honey? Number one is self-pity. Don't feel sorry for yourself. That's going to just sabotage joy. Number two is blame. We've talked about that in this series. Don't blame. Just take responsibility. And the last is... Is resentment. So sometimes when we 
don't focus on the positive and we're looking at the negative. We're looking at all that's wrong. We begin to resent that person. Resentment begins to build up on the inside of us. That it takes place when we hold our disappointment, our pain, our anger about the other person. That resentment makes you believe that the source of your unhappiness is because of them. That we take zero responsibility. It's all their fault. I'm here to tell you, if we sit down, I know it's case by case. It's this person by person, marriage by marriage. I want to encourage you today that resentment, it can be a powerful thing that can destroy your marriage. But if we choose today, today I choose to forgive my spouse. I choose to forgive that person. When we forgive that person, see, unforgiveness is like drinking poison, expecting them to die. Unforgiveness is like allowing someone to, rent, to live rent-free in your heart. And you resent them for it. But when you forgive that person, when that takes place, what happens is the consequences then shift from them to you. And that's where you say, God, thank you. Thank you that in order to remix my marriage, in order to remix my relationships, in order to remix my boyfriend or girlfriend or who I'm with, God, in order to remix that, remix me. Remix the original. And see, it's our responsibility to forgive. Because that's the only way to get rid of resentment, blame, self-pity, is to forgive. I love this quote that we're going to put on the screens today. See, a happy marriage is simply the union of two really good forgivers. It's good. That's what a happy marriage is. I mean, we're messed up. We got issues. We got stuff. We can fight real good. But you know what it is? It's a union of two really good forgivers. That's why I love Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32. It says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ God has forgiven you. And in this room, there are people in your life that their pain, their pain for the pain that is due to unforgiveness. And I encourage you today, God, I forgive. That number one, God, I forgive that person. But also number two, I forgive myself. Help me to move forward in my relationship. God, help it to be healthy again. That God, thank you. That as you change my heart, you're going to change my marriage. It's going to be healthy. It's going to be amazing. That's what marriage is. Marriage is vision for the future. It's until death do us part. Until she kills me. If I'm not here, call somebody. But until death does us part. I'm in this for the long haul. See, will you stand with me, please, as we close out in prayer? And I want to encourage you today. We want people to know God, but then to find freedom. And so many times we want to get past things, but we have to go through it together as a couple. So my wife, she's going to pray out uh, the whole remix series. What an amazing six weeks this has been. And so go ahead, babe. I just want to encourage you real quick is that if you both have been here in this series, someone's got to make the first step. And it, it's humbling, but it's also empowering to be that person to forgive first or to bring that conversation up to serve one another. Because if you have a vision in mind that this is what I'm fighting for, it's for an excellent, intimate friendship, marriage, then then I can take that step. And so let's pray. Father, I'm so grateful. I feel that Remix has been just this, this 
these awesome tools in my toolbox and I can move forward. God, I can see things being repaired in Jesus' name. I can see new things being built in Jesus' name. I can see, God, that you are giving people literally blueprints for their life. Some of you singles, you need to be writing down the characteristics of what God is putting in your heart for your future spouse. It is time to stop settling, but to start believing and dreaming that as God is remixing you to be the one, he is also preparing the one for you. So ladies and gentlemen, raise your standards in the mighty name of Jesus. We are not worthy of anything but Christ, but God has given us a new creation, so our past do not have to determine our future. And God gives us gifts. Come on, God blesses us, not based on what we have done, but he blesses us based on what he has done. So I believe that there are people in this room right now that you do not feel that you are worthy of God's best for your life because you have messed up. And so I shatter that declaration over your life. That is a lie from the pit of hell. My life is a living testimony that the life I lived out in the past, I am not living out now. And I have received God's best for my life. And I believe that God's best for you is still yet to come in Jesus' name. So Father, I pray that you seal these things in us. Let not anyone be able to erase it or wipe it away or distract it. But let us know, God, that you have promised that you started a good work and you're going to carry it on to the day of completion in Christ Jesus. And so, Father, I thank you that you're remixing relationships right now. So, Father, I thank you that you're changing our direction. Father, I thank you you're doing such a work. But, Father, the whole theme of this series is in order to have healthy relationships, we need to be healthy ourselves. And so maybe you're here with every head out of eye closed. Maybe you're here today and you're saying, Pastor, I'm ready. I'm ready to take a step today. I'm ready for Jesus to come into my heart. I'm ready to go on a journey with him. I'm not asking you to, to join our church. I'm asking you to join in a relationship with Jesus, to allow him to come on the inside of you, to remix you, and to be able to be saying, I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. I've been saved by grace through faith. And so, Pastor, I want you to pray with me today. And here's my guarantee. I'm not going to single you out. I'm not going to call you forward. Say, I'll call you by name or make you go to the sides. We're going to pray with you right now, together as a church, right where you are, right in your seat. But if that is you, every head bowed, every eye closed, you say, Pastor, that's me. I want you to pray for me. I want you to lead me in a prayer so I can have Jesus live in my heart. If that is you, just put a hand up, put it right back down. That's all I want you to do. Put a hand up, put it right back down. Yes, yes. Anyone else? Yes. Anyone else? Up and right back down. Anyone else? That's amazing. Some great hands that went up. So let's all pray this prayer together. Every head bowed, every eye closed, but everybody lift your voice together and say, Dear Jesus, say, I need you. Say, thank you for dying on the cross. Say, thank you for paying for what I did. So today, I receive your forgiveness. Say, be Lord of my life. Say, be number one. Say, with all my heart, the best way I know how, I'm going to follow you. So remix me. And so today, I now know who I am. Say, I'm saved. I'm redeemed. I'm a child of God. And everybody shout it. Amen. Woo!